Good evening. Good to see you all today. I, I, um, I have the privilege of addressing you on Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to you. Did everybody have a good day? Did you do anything special for Valentine's Day? Those of you who it applies to. Uh, in uh, honor of Valentine's Day, I feel like the subject was kind of all prepared for me today. Uh, the theme is love, but nobody loves, knows love like we do. Yeah. And it's because our God is love. And so I, I call this, my father is love and I am his child. You may recognize that from the, the love confessions uh, that we have on, on, your, uh, um, on your handout. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you guys, you recognize this? So yeah, um, the, um, my goal is to walk through this and, and just share some meditations that I have uh, from the Word, and uh, we'll see how far we get. I, I plan to get you out on time tonight. Uh, but I believe that there's something rich here for you. So let's pray, and we'll go right into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for, thank you for Valentine's Day. Thank you for what you brought together and those you brought together for the, this moment, Lord. For the word that we're about to hear. Lord, we're in your hands. We ask you to speak to us, remind us, stir us up about this wonderful, wonderful love nature the love that you are and the love you've put in us, each one of us who are your children. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And to you be the glory for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to go ahead and start with the very first statement. My father is love and I am his child. There's some days when I make this confession that I hear on the inside, you're going too fast. Slow down. And when I did that, I, I was so glad I did. I caught, what, I caught just this first line, and I didn't get past it for a long time. And uh, if I, if I uh, shared everything that, that stirred in me in that moment, we'd be here all night. <laughs> But I want to give you uh, just some, some high points. Uh, the, f- the first verse, since all of this is based on Scripture, is 1 John 4, 8. So let's go ahead and look at that. 1 John 4, and I'm going to back up to the previous verse and do both together, verses 7 and 8. 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Just going to start there. We'll keep going in a, in a moment. But uh, you see here the statement, verse, verse 7 
born of God. That phrase is, is in verse 7, so I wanted to include that. Uh, my father is love. And I, I remember uh, just in meditation, you know, what you do is you're muttering. That's the, the definition of to meditate, is to mutter, to speak. And, and the word that Jason gave Sunday just dovetails with a, a lot of what we're going to share tonight as well. The Lord told me in uh, confessing uh, the other confessions that we make, in, uh, fi- in the financial confessions, for instance, he said, he said after, one day after I made the confessions, went through the list, he said, from now on, don't say anything else about your finances. Just stay with what you said. But how many you know love is even more important? And so we shouldn't say anything else about our love walk than what, than what we say here. I, I want to at some point in the service go through this with you and just have, it, have us all say it together. I'll lead you since we don't have the screens. But this, this, is, this is of chief importance here for a few reasons, one of which it's, a, it's the great commandment. It's the royal law that we love. And when God says to love, the word there in the original language is agape. Is that right? Now, if you read it in English, it just says love. And, and that's okay as long as you know what love means. I was reading after E.W. Kenyon, and he said that this word Love, and as, as we uh, go further, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, charity, these words, it should have never been translated as love. We should have kept it agape. In other words, we should have added a new word into the English language instead of saying, now what word does this come closest to in our language? And the reason is because we always have to make a distinction when we talk about love. Today is Valentine's Day, and no doubt you heard about, you've heard the word love. If you listen to the radio, you've heard love songs today, and, and you've seen hearts, you've seen pink and red and white. And Valentine's Day means different things to different people. But it's describing human love. And human love is, is a beautiful thing, but it's a faint reflection of what we're talking about. This is the highest kind of love, and this is God's definition that we're talking about tonight. And because of that distinction, uh, he said, and I believe that this is why he said it, that we should not have translated that love. We should have translated it agape. So I'll go back and forth. I'll still call it love tonight, but just want to make, make it clear that what we're talking about, if I say love, it's not, it's not the emotional love. In fact, in the original, uh, original language, the world the Bible was written in, uh, there were, there were a, a few different words for love. Uh, two are in the Bible. Agape is one. Phileo is the other, uh, which, which relates to family, 
brotherly love. But there's also eros, love. This doesn't appear in, in the Bible, but it's the love of desire. And, and it's human love often used to describe love between a man and his wife. And also storge, which is a family love. So the Greeks had these different words for love. But our word for love, the one the New Testament writers took, is agape. And it's a love of choice. The love of decision. It's a love that doesn't depend on emotion. That's the law we're commanded to live by. There are a few, few motivations for walking in love. I, wanna, I want to uh, just, just list those. Uh, one motivation, and this is the one we'll start with, is identity. Love is who you are. My father is love, and I am his child. If your father is love and you're his child, you're the child of love. Child of God, God is love. God loves me. I'm a child of love. We are children of love. When he says God is love in 1 John 4, he's talking about love as his essence, love as his nature, love as his character. There's, there are other statements like that in 1 John, like uh, in the earlier part of the book, he says God is light. And so, my father is light, and I am his child. Child of light. Children of light. Which scripture elsewhere calls us. We are identified with love, but we're also identified by love. And this is, this is I'm going to come back to this. Uh, this is the first motivation. The second motivation is the example of Jesus, the example given to us in Scripture. He's the chief example of this kind of love, but we also see it on display in others, like Paul, like Stephen. We see the third, there's the third motivation, which is the love command. And so I'll try to touch that, I'll touch each of these tonight. Uh, first of all, identity. The world love, the world looks at Christians and judges us because um, they, they believe, they don't see the results that is promised. They, um, there's a statement by Brennan Manning that I wanted to share with you. It, you may have heard this. It's, he said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is when an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. At the same time, it's unreasonable for them to, to, hold, to uh, draw a straight line and sharp, a sharp line and expect that the world will easily be uh, separated into nice people and, and unnice people that the Christians are all nice and so forth, because all of us are in process. Is that right? Uh, depending on your upbringing, you could be a, 
you could have uh, grown up in an environment that caused you to be honorary, caused you to be unkind. You, it's, we've all developed different ways uh, in life from our childhood. Uh, not everybody has, has a good upbringing, and uh, not everybody was trained to be nice. But, but the Christ, to be a Christian, all you have to do is not be nice. All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? And so everybody starts from somewhere. And so uh, to, there's an extent in which it's unreasonable for the world to, to hold that standard. But because of who we are, there should be fruit. And, and all of us showing that, hey, I'm, I'm growing. Love is a fruit that grows in our lives. And so uh, this is something more for you to ask yourself. As we talk about love, it's, this is not the kind of message to look at your neighbor and say, yeah, I'm glad he's hearing this or she's hearing this. This is the kind of message that you say, well, I, I need to hear this today. I'm the one who needs the love walk. So love is our true nature. You hear um, about one word I want to bring out with uh, identity is the word transparency. Uh, I used to confine that word transparency when we talk about I'm going to be transparent to an accountability group where you share what's going on in your life. And usually it's about people talking about their sin. Transparency. Let's just be transparent here. And that's what, we, that's what we're unveiling. We're unveiling our faults, our struggles, and uh, how well we're doing in the love walk or any other area of our life. But transparency, if you really think about this as your true identity, if you're really transparent, what we should all be talking about is this. My father is love. I'm his child. His love is in me now. I mean, isn't that what we pray for when we pray the Ephesians 1 prayer, that God would, that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our heart being flooded with light in the Amplified. If, if the, your heart is flooded with light, the lights come on. What do you see? He, he, you're going to see the hope of your calling. You're going to see... The, how rich the, the glorious inheritance you have is, you're going to see the power, unmeasurable, immeasurable, surpassingly great power is inside of you. The power connected to what we're talking about today. Love is inside of you. The love nature of God is inside of you. So if, instead of transparency meaning Look at my sin. Transparency means look at Christ in me. Look at love in me. Look at the nature of God in me. The new, the Second uh, Corinthians says, "Old things have passed away; all things have become new." For us to agree with that, if that's transparency, that's that's all that there is. The rest has gone away, right? It's passed away. 
And so love is our true nature. Love is in me now. What is love? A pastor has defined love as doing what is best for another person, even at my own expense. And that's the Bible definition of love. What's our definition of love? I want to show you a quick verse here, the passage where the word love is used, just an example of how humans use the word love, but they mean something totally different. Second uh, Samuel 13 is a story. It's an account of one of David's children, well, actually two of them, involved in here. And you're familiar with uh, David after he sinned with Bathsheba, and the prophet came to him and told him what would happen how the sword would not leave his household. Well, the very first bud from that was chapter 13. And so I'll start reading uh, just a portion of this. Verse 1, it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, why are are you, I'll read it uh, without the, the these and the thous, being the king's son lean from day to day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So there the narrator and, and Amnon himself, they both used that word, love. Jonadab said to him, lay thee down on thy bed, make yourself sick. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, I pray you, let my sister Tamar come. Give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said to the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat it at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan, poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat it of thine hand. Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber Amnon, uh, to Amnon her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, He took hold of her and said unto her, Come, lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? As for you, you will be one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray, speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than her, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred 
with which he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This sending me away is greater than the other that you did unto me. But he would not hearken to her. Then he called his servant and ministered to him and said, Put now this woman out for me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of divers colors upon her, but with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon your brother been with you? But hold now your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. You know the rest of the story. Absalom ends up killing his brother, Amnon. Tamar, because of this, she's never quite the same. But this is the first episode that stems from the sin of David with Bathsheba. And it's a, it's a sad story. The reason I bring this, is, uh, bring this up to you is because it's the opposite of what we're talking about by a strong contrast, isn't it? But didn't he say, I love her? The narrator said, He loved her. So the world can call things, can call something love that is not love. If love is the, if the definition of love is doing what's best for the other person, even at your expense, what would Amnon's definition of love be? Doing what's best for me, even if at others' expense. Now, that's the, that's the polar opposite of what we're talking about. We could, we could look at other episodes in between, but, but the... Uh, but I, I want to make a strong contrast today. Uh, this is... This is the, the reason this is so significant to me is because the comparison that he makes in, in the verse about how the love that he loved her with was superseded by the hatred that he hated her with after the act was done. And so uh, let me go back to Romans, excuse me, First John. That love is not from God, but this love that we're talking about is. The love that is our nature is a love that gives. And this is also called the royal law. This love, it's a process that um, even though none of us walks in it 100%, even though we struggle, it is a process that's working out in our lives. Um, Our love walk is affected by the renewal of the mind, which gets into the next thing I want to talk about, which is transformation. 
I already mentioned transparency. Transparency means that the real you, what's really on the inside of you, is the nature of God. That love is truly who you are. You are, we are, the love of God by nature. But transformation. Before, uh, let me take you before the, the Romans 5 verse. I want to take you to Romans 12. We, we can quote it, but real quickly. Romans 12, he's, um, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformation. As the word transformed is the word we get our word metamorphosis from. And the most well-known example of metamorphosis is the change from caterpillar to butterfly. Recently, I looked at that transformation. I looked that up just to get a clearer idea of, of metamorphosis. And I asked the question, if the Christian life and the, and the process of change our sanctification, if the change from caterpillar to butterfly is a parallel to the Christian life, where are we at in the stages? There, there are four stages for the, for the caterpillar moving to a butterfly, to, to moving through the stages to the butterfly. Number one is egg, the egg stage. Number two is the larva stage where he, you see the caterpillar. Number three is the pupa stage, where he's inside of the cocoon, the chrysalis. And fourthly is the caterpillar, the adult stage. Some of us are at the egg stage. Some of us are caterpillars. We haven't yet gone into our, our chrysalis. Some of us are inside the cocoon right now. In nature, the caterpillar, when he spins his cocoon and, and uh, wraps himself up, he goes in for a few weeks and, and hides. And the, and the, uh, the cocoon, it, it hangs from a branch. And inside, he's going through this metamorphosis. He, the caterpillar is changing. Some, uh, some people were curious, like I would be curious, about what what is actually inside the chrysalis during that stage? And some scientists did open it up and see. Of course, when you do, the caterpillar is now, is, is, it's, we won't survive. But inside, is what, they, what they described is a goo. And it looks like nothing. It's just a gooey substance that looks lifeless. Somehow, that goo turns into a butterfly. Somehow, that happens. And the reason that I, I bring that up is because sometimes when you and I, when we're doing our love walk, it looks like it doesn't look like anything. It, it looks like I'm so far from what I'm called to be. 
I, I do these confessions, and, and uh, even though it says uh, I endure long and I'm patient and kind, I see the opposite in my life. I, I don't insist on my own rights, really. You ever question some of these when you do them? I bear up under anything and everything that comes, ever ready to believe the best of every person? Really? Uh, um, elsewhere in, the, in, uh, 13, uh, in uh, chapter 13, he says, love is not touchy in the Amplified, fretful nor resentful. Well, I've seen some of that in my life. And so sometimes I feel like goo. <laughs> but you know, inside of that caterpillar, before he gets to that stage where he, he pupates, is what, that's what they call what happens when he's inside of the cocoon, he's, he's got all of the equipment that he will, that he, that he will have. His wings are inside of the body. Uh, all of the cells, what the colors that you'll see in, uh, in that butterfly, all of that is in there. And uh, caterpillars, when they're dissected, people have, have done that, and they looked inside to see, well, what's inside of this caterpillar? And they see all of this is in there. Very, very small, but it, it's there folded up ready to develop, and, and you might look at it and say the caterpillar might, might see some formations forming as it gets close to that stage when it's about to go, to go into its pupation stage inside the chrysalis. And it might wonder, what is this formation? What, what is this? It doesn't look like a wing. You ever, you ever think about some of the things that God's given us? What's that for? What, 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 is, uh, what is this love for? Why did God give me divine love? Why couldn't he just have given me a better nature? You know, I could be like, I could be like the best human that exists. You know, they're, they're nice human beings who are not saved. Uh, very nice, nice people. Uh, there's a, a lady who doesn't claim Christianity. She is a Hindu, and in India, she's known as the hugging saint, and she, you may have heard of her, uh, they call her uh, Lady Ama, and she, she goes, she, she goes to uh, public places, and she's well known, and so they set it up, it's a big event, and she just sits down in a chair, and people come and hug her, she just gives hugs to people. And, and she's, uh, she's gotten to re- be real big now. Uh, people form long lines, and, they, and she, ha- it, she ends up doing this. She comes for days. She's come to the United States on tours. People come just to get a hug. <laughs> well, and, and they talk about the, the testimonials that people say. They, they just have such an experience, and they love her. And, you know, but... Why is she doing this? She's not a Christian. She doesn't claim Christianity. And, and Hindus, uh, they, might, they might acknowledge Jesus, but they've got Jesus up alongside another deity, 
uh, up aside another deity. So they, they acknowledge all these other people. But it's a nice gesture. I don't know. I, I might want to go hug her. I don't know. <laughs> but... <clears throat> But um, why wouldn't God just give me that? You know, just have the, just make me a little bit better. Our God is not modest, moderate. He's extreme. He, he doesn't just give you the best that planet Earth can produce, the best that this world can do. He gives you, he gives you his nature. He gives you this. And... Uh, and, and the extreme continues, and we could keep talking about the extremes, the blessing. He didn't give you just the blessing of a, a, a Rockefeller or a Trump, you know. Yeah, he, he could have given me, he could have, yeah, he could have given me a, 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 a dad who was, uh, you know, was, was, famous and, and had a lot of money and he, and he blessed me and that would have been good. But no, he gave me him as father. For, for the Christian and the Gentile specifically, we didn't have a choice. Uh, it, it's either God or nothing for us. I mean, he, uh, he didn't give us, uh, when we go out into eternity, he didn't give us uh, a human paradise to go to. We don't go to human heaven. We go to the paradise of God. But by contrast, we don't go to a human hell. We go to a devil's hell. Uh, this, the, the curse is contrasted with the blessing. So uh, it's either supernaturally blessed and you're very good off. You, you, you've seen what he promises to Israel. If you obey me, it's going to be really good. But if you disobey me, <laughs> it's going to be really bad. And the chapters you've read, Deuteronomy and Leviticus 28, 26, it's, um, it spirals down. If, if Israel keeps disobeying him, it just, it just gets worse and worse. So our, our God, he gives us the very best. Are you glad about that? His love. So that's the identity of love. In the middle of this is what I call the security of love. So my father is, is love and I'm his child. His love is in me now is identity. Let me read the next section to you. Therefore, I endure long and am patient and kind. I never boil over with jealousy, nor am I boastful or vainglorious, I do not display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. I do not act unbecomingly, and I do not insist on my own rights or my own way, for I am not self-seeking. All right, why would that be important? The, the uh, security of love is what I call that. Why would, why would we... Uh, Why would somebody be conceited? Why would we be touchy? This is the section where he says, he talks about love being touchy and fretful and resentful. In, in short, it's, uh, it's fear. 
at the heart of this, I'm not conceited, arrogant, inflated. Why would I put on a big pretense? Because of fear at the root of this. Uh, fear of not being equal. Uh, love is not afraid of difference. Love is not afraid if somebody gets the credit and you don't. God, uh, God came. He's not. Uh, let, let me uh, let me say this. Uh, sometimes when I when I do the confessions, since it starts with my Father is love, I start with Him, and I read this as when He says, "Love is patient. Love is kind." I say, "God is patient. God is kind," because that's building the foundation. And notice the, the next word after his love is in me now is therefore, meaning that the reason that I endure long is because his love is in me. But his love is in me because I am the child of love himself, my father who is love. So I'm the recipient of this love. I've received the love of God. God endures long and is patient and kind to me. God never boils over with jealousy. He's not boastful or vainglorious. Now, we like to boast in God, but God doesn't boast in himself to us. He doesn't get in your face and say, you haven't been praising me enough. He doesn't toot his horn. I mean, the scripture says, let another man praise you and not, and not your own lips. Well, does God take his own advice? Now, God does declare who he is. Usually he does because his people are afraid of men. And so the, the Egyptians are coming and the, and the Israel's afraid. The Assyrians are coming. And so he declares to them, who am I to you? I am your God. Fear not, for I'm with you. But it's, it's to build them up. But God doesn't go around Boasting as if he needed anything. I do not display myself haughtily. Well, God doesn't do that. I am not conceited, arrogant. God is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. God doesn't act unbecomingly. God doesn't insist on his own rights or his own way. God is not self-seeking. And certainly the greatest example of that is the cross, our redemption. He came not for his sake, but for our sakes. And our, we sang of the goodness of God earlier today. And nowhere is his goodness more on display than in the cross. And in redemption. You know, uh, in uh, our healing scriptures, uh, I, I see all, I'm making all that, I make all these connections um, uh, with, uh, with the love of God because who is it that is doing the healing? It's love Himself. My father is love, and so I start reading that into the healing. My son, give attention to my words. Well, who's talking? Love. 
Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But love was wounded for our transgressions. Love was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon love. And by love's stripes, we are healed. Love does what is best for the other person, even at its own expense. Love came in the form of Jesus. Love thought ahead and, uh, and bore our sins. Before I knew that sins needed to be born, before I knew that I needed someone to, to take my sicknesses, to take my pains, before I knew that that could be done, before I knew that, my, he, that someone could bear my sins in their own body, there he is doing it. God went ahead of us. He thought ahead. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He was made a curse for us. And so he's our example, the Lord Jesus. But now, why, why would we be able to endure long and be patient and kind? Because we're no longer insecure. I'm not conceited anymore. I'm not, I don't need to be arrogant I don't need to be inflated with pride. There's, there's no reason for me to be self-seeking. This is not about being a doormat, but it's, but it's realizing who you are. Remember, this stems from your identity. I am loved by love himself. God does, he did what was best for me. Scripture says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son a propitiation for our sins. So there's a security to love. There's a humility to love. And down in verse five, where he says, uh, he says this, I do not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but love rejoices when right and truth prevail. This, this covers not just, uh, not just sins of your friends, but also enemies. This would apply, I don't rejoice even if my enemy is caught in unrighteousness. I don't rejoice when I find out something bad about someone who, you know, they've been mean to me. And which, which reminds me, this is, uh, this is called the law of love. Uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Greg, he t when he preached on, on the spiritual laws, this was number one. And he said that this is the highest spiritual law. These are laws like the laws of gravity, the, law, the laws of nature. But the laws of nature can be superseded by other laws. So like... Uh, like gravity can be superseded by lift. So you have lower laws like retribution, 
an eye for an eye. When it seems right that if somebody hits you, you hit them back. Or if they spit on you, you can spit back on them. When it would make sense, love goes higher. Love supersedes that. And instead of it ending with one big conflict and one big mess, love triumphs overall. Now, what we're talking about is not theory because this love is in you, right? Romans 5.5 5 is the next verse I wanted to show you. He, he says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And that, that word shed abroad is a pouring out. One translation puts that like this, that it, the, uh, the, this is the love of God pours out of you like an artesian well. I don't know if you know what an artesian well is, but it's, it's a well that has pressure released from the ground, from rocks, and, and it just flows freely. It doesn't need any leverage. There's, there's no control that you need. It just flows. That's the picture of this love. It's constantly shed abroad in our hearts. And so the only way it can stop is if you cap it, like in an artesian well. You would have to stop it in order to stop the water from flowing. This fruit of the Spirit, which is love, is our nature, and it is free-flowing. The only thing, the only, there's a few things that would cap it. it would, you could cap it by focusing too much on yourself. You could cap it by unforgiveness, taking offense. But otherwise, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of there, and he shows up, and, and, and he's there to, to help you in that situation. He wants to keep it flowing. Because this is the love that triumphs. This is the love that overcomes. Um, one example for me, I've, there's, um, there's times at work when, uh, when I realize I've come to the end of myself. Uh, I'm a pretty nice person, naturally. And, and so I can, I can bear with a person for quite a while. Um, but even I have my breaking point. <laughs> and so when I reach that point, uh, when I, uh, my response is not going to be, is not going to be nice. And I've seen, I, I've, it's gotten so bad until I have actually hung up on customers at work because, you know, something came up on my blind side and I didn't see that coming, but I was, but I was on, I, I was on the last wire of, uh, of my own personal loves. I, and, and looking back, I, I said, I, I thought I was operating in a divine kind of love, but I guess that was human love. Because what one thing we're going to see further down, if we get to it, I, I know time is we're running out of time, uh, love never fails. And in the Amplified, it expands on that. Love never fades out, never becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. And so... Uh, and so no matter what happens, no matter what somebody says to you, you won't be blindsided by it if it's the divine kind of love. But if it's human love, yes. And so I, I've seen myself stop, uh, come to the end, and, and I just let the other person have it, or I stop the conversation. And, and thankfully, in, in the situation where I hung up on 
on the customer, which you're not supposed to do, uh, they had mercy on me because they, uh, they, I guess they listened to the call I, and they, they realized that uh, they got to me. And, uh, but you know, I've had times when I have listened to that voice, the voice of the Lord who is with you. I had a customer who came, uh, who, who called. This was a, a phone call that I had one time. The customer was upset because something went wrong with his, with his shipment of his order. And in this guy, he, he had a, a deep voice. He sounded like Rocky Balboa. And yo, Adrian, you know, it's me, Rocky. You know? <laughs> anyway, he was, uh, he was upset, and, and I was already at the point where, where I, I started feeling my heartbeat and uh, that, that throbbing thing. I, I, was, I, I, I wasn't going to hang up, but I was just going to bear this until I could get it, until I could get this over with. And this voice came to me to smile and to, and to be kind to him, give this guy first-class service. And so I didn't want to, but I did. I let it out, and, and I, started, I started with the, my spiel. I said, hey, uh, you know, we'd be glad to do this. Sorry that that happened. Be glad to take care of that for you. Can I... Can I Take care of this. Can we add this in for you? Just first-class service. Uh, and I did it with a smile because uh, we're trained that smiles can be heard over the phone. And so he's just listening as, I, as I'm saying all this, just quiet. But uh, at the end, he, he said in that Rocky Balboa voice, thank you, I love you too. And I, I, I paused for a moment after we hung up the phone. I said, did I say? <laughs> I, I don't think I said. But even though I didn't say, what did he hear? He heard, he heard love. And, and I've had other experiences like that. The Lord knows, and he's with us in the trenches. He, he knows what that guy needed to hear in that moment. And... And, and he knows what would, what would be the best and what would cause you to win in every situation. Uh, love never fails. That means you're successful in relationships. You're successful with people. And, and uh, when you're in the thick of a situation, don't think of God as afar, up on a throne in splendor, unmoved by our situation. He's in there. He's in the trenches with you. He's in you. And he's... He's, got, he's pumping that love constantly. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. That, that well is constantly flowing. And so if we, if we keep ourselves out of offense and, and uh, think otherly, and that's another thing about love. Love has a perspective. It has its, a, a different perspective. Uh, <clears throat> Sometimes when I, when I could respond uh, in, a, in a way that I, in the way humans normally respond when you feel disrespected, there's a, a, I'll just see a picture of something and it'll give me another perspective. It's not that I see exactly what God sees, but God knows enough to show me so that I can walk in love with this person. 
It's like a wall that I'm underneath, the, and he'll, he'll give me just enough so I can see above, and I see it. Ah, and that's enough for me to walk in love. That's enough for me to forgive, to overlook how they're acting. Praise the Lord. And so this love is, is strong in us, and, and, uh, and, that's, and my last point was already that. It's the success of love. Love never fails. God's a winner. God wins in every situation. He knows what to say to every person, and he would tell us what to say to every person. Uh, as we confess around here, we're led by the Spirit and have godly wisdom. We apply this to finances, but we can apply that to everything. I, I make wise and prosperous speaking decisions, wise and prosperous communication decisions, relationship decisions. And, and so... The God kind of love is in us. The God kind of love is on us. And I want to end here with a a prayer, but also our confession. I want to say this, lead you in this. Uh, the, The more we say this, it stirs us up. And so would you mind saying that, joining me with this for a moment as we as we close? Repeat this after me. My father is love. And I am his child. His love is in me now. Therefore, I endure long. And am patient and kind. I never boil over with jealousy. Nor am I boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. I do not act unbecomingly, and I do not insist on my own rights or my own way, for I am not self-seeking. I do not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness but I do rejoice when right and truth prevail I bear up under anything and everything that comes I am ever ready to believe the best of every person my hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and I endure everything without weakening I never fail I never fail I never fail I never fail because I walk in the God kind of love love never fails never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me pray this over you as we close out here. Ephesians 3 from the Amplified. Just listen and agree. Paul says for this reason that he bows his knees to the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, 
that Father from whom all fatherhood takes and derives its name. Here's the prayer. I pray this over us all tonight. Lord, may you grant us out of the rich treasury of your glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling our innermost being and personality. May Christ through our faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in our hearts. May we be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that we may have power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, your devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? Oh Lord, that we may really come to know practically through experience for ourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that we may be filled through all our being unto all fullness of God have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself And now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it.